Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is John, and you're listening to the Tech Marketing Podcast, the show that helps you navigate the exciting, fast-moving world of B2B technology marketing. Today, we're talking with Christy Marble about customer experience and how to build something completely seamless online. Um, so we're really excited to get into this. I cannot wait to get started. And thank you for joining us, Christy. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm just um, imagining that I'm in uh, in the UK right now. Uh, in, instead, I'm in the Seattle area and uh, we're, we're uh, heading into fall. So things are getting a little, little gray here. Um, I'm chief marketing officer at Pantheon, which is a SaaS company that's leading the web ops movement. Um, we're founded on a vision for a better way of managing high impact websites. And, and our purpose is bringing the magic of the internet to everyone everywhere. So I just get inspired to come to work every day um, and work uh, in, in this open web environment. Uh, we have a platform that gives teams the ability to develop, test, and release website changes faster and more reliably than they than they have historically. And, and it has tools that automate uh, the ability to collaborate cross-functionally, to optimize websites, and uh, give teams the ability to focus on delivering truly amazing digital experiences that, that create value for, uh, for companies and produce um, really extraordinary results. So it's an exciting role. Um, because wow. we, what we deliver to to developers and designers, they're the ones who are in our products every day. Really helps marketers uh, make a huge difference for their companies. It, I, I mean, I'm going to speak as a fellow techie here. Everything you've said there sounds absolutely incredible. Um, you know, just I think one of the biggest things impacting marketing today is speed to market. Right, is getting things out there and improving that experience experience quickly. So everything you mentioned about. Yeah, improving that DevOps journey sounds sounds fantastic. Like how you're the you know you're the CMO. I mean, I'm in awe of having uh, a chief marketing officer here again joining me on the podcast. Um, but what's been your journey to get there? And what would you say of some of the things that attracted you to a to a brand like Pantheon? I, I've been um, software native as long as I can remember, even when it was um, early days of the, um, gosh, we, we had Bernoulli drives when I worked at, at Claritas, where we would load all sorts of data so that we could we could load maps and we would carry them across the, the street to the bank at nighttime so that they would be secure. Um, so, so it was a different kind of tech than it is now. But as soon as um, as soon as the Internet really became a, um, a thing that businesses could start to use, I just. I, that was that had the appeal to me. I studied sociology in in college, um, in undergrad, and um, and so just this this um, use of technology to improve mm-hmm. people's lives has always inspired me. And so then, as I got into, I did consumer marketing for a while, and as I moved into um, helping businesses market, that stuck for me. Is really I love companies that are using cloud. Um, applications, cloud software to make people's life at work just as as easy or simplified as um, and efficient as our lives are at home with the types of software that we we use at home that we probably take for granted. Everything from mm-hmm. the Internet of Things on our refrigerators, our ovens or in our cars to um, to our sm- smartphones to I live in the Seattle area. So, yeah, I will admit that I order my groceries uh, by creating lists on Alexa. So <laughs> I just talk and magic happens in our house. I've, I've, I've got to say, like, we do exact, we do exactly the same thing here. I rely so much on, on that, uh, you know, on speaking to our Alexa device 
And she's going to wake up now behind me, isn't she? Um, and, uh, to, to be able to ensure that we, we get groceries, you know, on time and, and, and right. But I love that. I love that background, like moving from sociology, you know, to really trying to understand how it improves people's lives. And I, you know, I look at some of your background here and it's, you know, you've, you've touched on some of the, you've worked in some of the organizations that have improved, you know, probably impacted that the most. Uh, and so it's, it's fascinating now that you're, at a company like Pantheon that are really behind the scenes helping a lot of these companies to improve things for everyone else. Um, you know, if, That's if you'd agree. absolutely. Yeah. What inspired me about Pantheon was um, lots of times the in marketing right now, marketers are in high demand, tech marketers, especially, and you hear from lots of companies, um, gosh, even when you're not looking and, and, um, I, I certainly wasn't looking, but I was introduced to the leadership team at Pantheon and I was so inspired by the founder's vision, which was really a pure vision to help um, really that, that purpose of, of bringing the magic of the Internet to everyone everywhere. And the, the beautiful, beauty of that purpose for us is it's not about us. We're not doing it. We're not making the websites. We're making the software that people build their websites on that enables them to bring the magic of the internet to, to their customers and, and clients. And, and uh, we have some amazing, amazing um, customers doing that. Every, everyone from uh, people who have uh, run presidential campaigns to, um, to, you know, so, so everything from politicians to since COVID public schools, private schools, both colleges, mm-hmm. and universities to, to the, um, the high schools and elementary schools that all of a sudden found that they needed to deliver their product online in the cloud. Who would have ever thought that would have been the case? Um, but we found ourselves in, in that world for a year and a half or two years to, um, to some of the biggest companies in the world that have really complex uh, needs to, to move their, move their products, uh, to yeah, I, I, online. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's dive into that a little bit, really. Let's dive into what you mentioned, you're helping all of these brands from, uh, you know, public schools through to presidential campaigns. And I think I remember which presidential campaign that is as well, um, to build better online experiences. So what are the, from your opinion, as someone that, that not only helps to enable this, but also as, as of course, doing it as a, as a, as a CMO, like what are the basics to building a seamless online customer experience? Yeah. So what, what we really, what, what, um, one of the things that differentiates us, one of the reasons that I was drawn to, um, to Pantheon, um, in addition to, to what we talked about is that, that, um, businesses, they really need to have online experiences that drive business impact now. And um, so it's not just about brochureware or a, a brand website um, like things might have been in the past. The best online experiences right now are built to move fast and be responsive to market din- dynamics. And um, so when you think about how do you how do you build a seamless customer experience in that environment, the most important thing to think about is that this, a seamless online customer experiences begins with one thing always. And that is an understanding that you're building websites for people. So we hear about bots, we hear about, you know, and bots is short for robots. So we can't forget that when we, when we think of the things that we saw maybe in our childhood and envisioned what robots uh, were then uh, might feel a little bit different uh, now, but, um, but so people, when they're building for search engine optimization or when they're building for um, conversion, 
it's people that need to use your website and love mm -hmm. your website and and find your website as a great representation of your brand and your product. And so the digital teams that are the most successful are the ones that anchor everything they do in this. And so, of course, we have as marketers, we have ideal customer profiles. You'll see the acronym ICP and maybe wonder what that is. We have um, personas that are so um, well-informed and constructed, but we need to make sure that we're connecting with the person on the other side of the screen. So that empathy or that compassion element, how people feel, that is really, really critical. What do they care about? What do they wanna know? What can we predict about their response to the content, the journeys and the recommendations that we make? So really getting um, inside the minds of the people that, that wanna reach you is critical because you have a fraction of a second to show them something they care about and and um, to to have them connect with you. I think that's so true. I think this, you know, we, we often, we often forget about it. I mean, one stat, uh, that we love using in B2B at the moment, uh, Christy, is this, is this stat of, uh, you know, really online user, online experiences and digital experiences are going to be driving much more of B2B sales than ever before. Um, you know, 43%, and I must have used this pretty much in every podcast episode recently, but I just find it absolutely mind blowing. 43% of, uh, B2B buyers, don't want to interact with a salesperson. Um, and 86 or 89%, depending on which study you're using, uh, perform all their research online, you know, and, and independently. So it's, you know, I think, I think it's important to understand that these are, these are real people. They're, you know, they, they're, they are, they're not organizations. They're people that have their own motivators, that have their own, um, uh, emotions. And you need to make sure you're designing for, for, for those people. So I think I, I couldn't agree more. You mentioned like every successful brand anchors, anchors everything in this. Like what, give me a few examples of, of where you've seen that work really successfully. Yeah, I, I've seen everything and I'll, I'll talk to you, um, to some of our clients. Um, we've, we've talked to, um, we talk a bit about Tableau. They've been a huge inspiration for us because we, we were working with them when they were small until they grew really large. And, um, and they offered right up on their website the ability to to try it. And with data mm -hmm. visualization, that was really powerful. And that's what you'd wanted. Like if you came to Tableau, somehow you'd heard about a different way to use um, business intelligence and make it tangible for you. So um, so that's one way. We see all the trends in, in product-led growth. And what that's really about is allowing people as fast as possible to get right into and feel what it's like to be a customer of yours, to, to, to use your product. I think um, DocuSign, um, gosh, you, you kind of almost accidentally use DocuSign, but once you've used it, you don't want to use anything else. And um, I, uh, I see that. I see some of the museums and the interactions that they're doing mm -hmm. online is, is um, really, truly um, amazing. And mm -hmm. um, I've been inspired by um, some of the, the nonprofits that I see that um, uh, we have one that, that started in COVID. Uh, they didn't start in COVID. They were, they were doing one thing in COVID, which was making sure that, that kids at school had free lunches. And um, then they had to pivot their whole strategy really fast as soon as, as um, COVID started because those children were still hungry. In fact, they're probably hungrier because it wasn't just the free lunch that they weren't getting, but now they were at home and they had to create a distribution network. They're, they're in the United States. Um, they had to create a distribution network across the United States to help the um, the suppliers of food get food to the places that these families could actually access the food and pick it up. And they had to do it fast because this really was um, 
it, you know, you think of this in, in companies probably like the UK and like the US, you take for granted that, that food can be a life or death situation even in our countries. So those experiences. It's so, it's so inspiring. But you, you've, and you've touched on something there that I think is really important, which is, you know, this movement towards uh, like product led growth. You know, it is, it, 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 I've seen so many businesses pivot towards it, move towards this, uh, this movement. Um, for me, you know, as a techie, I'm going to say it just sounds obvious. Like, of course, you want to move quickly. Of course, you want to get people into your product. Um, like, what are some of the learnings? You know, what do you think about the rise of, of, of product led growth? And what would you say some of the learnings are with how, you know, how a platform like Pantheon comes into it? Like, how do you enable some of the, the, the benefits of, of PLG, if you will? Yeah. The, the interesting thing is, is there's, um, if I can juxtapose two different types of products. So in our our um, product like growth example, we're working, as you know, with with um, web web developers and um, they're they're a very different uh, person. They they want different experiences when they get inside of a product than mm-hmm. um to do work like web development uh, than someone who who uses one of my favorite um uh, types of products that has done really well with product leg growth, which is Miro. And, mm-hmm. um, and so Miro, um, when you go in there, it, they, they hold your hand a lot, right? You don't, you don't have to go in there and code. You really are not necessarily, you don't have to be a technical, um, experienced or trained person to use Miro. You need to get in there and, and maybe collaborate and share some data, um, uh, maybe have an interaction with someone. Um, so, so their experience is very much handholding. Do you need this? Do you need that? Our experience in product like growth is to to stay out of people's way, honestly, but to be right there when they need it. Because a web developer knows if, if they're coming into Pantheon, they're they're knowing how to um, how to build websites. And so what they need to do is simply um, move maybe a current website into a um, a more uh, optimized, efficient website that. Um, that is more consistent for them that they could automate things in and so they need some some quick snapshots on on um, maybe a template or framework that they can use a slice to do that but they don't want us in their way and they certainly don't want to be feeling like we are selling them anything ever so for <laughs> yeah. us product leg growth is about bringing value moment you can call it, markers we call it moments that matter little little snacks of value but that can't be a pitch that it has to be more of a surprise and delight. Like, oh, if you're doing this right now, it might be easier with this. Would you like it? But let's not intercept them. Let's just put a little, a little uh, question mark or a or a um, idea mark up in the corner, so that if you get to that point, or if you're like, mm, you get to a point, you want to ask someone else, someone else like you, um, how do they do it? Let's make that really easy through through access to our community so that they can screenshot and go side by side. So that's some of, of the difference between what we think about that. But it but it it's it's back to um, being about that person. Yep. Yeah. I want to I want to dig into that a little bit more, Christy, if that's OK, because you've sure. you've opened up a Pandora's box for me. So, you know, we work with a lot of B2B organizations um you know essentially all b2b tech organizations and one of the uh you know one of the things especially when we move towards this partnership ecosystem that you may have heard of um type approach you know the traditional what we might say is an isv partner you know your integration partner that does some development work now is the is, is much broader um and a lot of our a lot of our clients have either started or are looking at starting developer programs and so you've touched on some really some i mean 
for me, just mind-blowing insights there about building moments that matter and staying out of their way, not creating the pitch. Like, what would be your, like, marketing specifically to to a technical audience? Um, Like, what would be your main advice to make sure that you... Um, you know, don't put them off. Like we always talk about developers don't like being marketed to. That's that's kind of almost overplayed. But if you were to go a level deeper into that, well, how would you, what would be your advice for, for, for speaking to that kind of audience? Yeah, for, for speaking to them, what, um, what we really do first is we have um, developers talk to developers. Um, so it's not usually me talking to the developers. <laughs> so if 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 I'm talking to web developers, it's more to sympathize or or even to kind of laugh at the things that I do that annoys my web development team. Um, <laughs> I do annoy them for sure. Because the things that I'm wanting is um, I'm wanting to move really fast. I'm wanting to drive a lot of results. I'm, I mm-hmm. do want, you know, developers to come into our product to try it out, to love it, to build their first website to launch it and um, to be highly successful with it. Um, but careful what you ask for, right? When you're, when you're highly, your website's highly successful. And that's where our um, developers talking developer to developer really um, can bring them value because they understand, they empathize, they have that compassion about mm-hmm. the reality of their experience and how annoying it is when they're, chief marketing officer is coming and saying, well, can't we do that a lot faster? Why can't you just have, you know, WordPress and um, two versions of Drupal running on different parts of our website so that I can be doing all these different things that I want to do. And, um, and so the developers are, are um, finding ways to do that and, um, and finding ways to automate the things that are keeping them from doing that. And, um, and that's where we really have, um, it, it, that's one of the strategies that we really believe in, which is yeah. which is we have amazing um, experienced uh, people, experts in our team, and let's have them talk to people, and then also let's get our customers talking to them because our customers are doing really amazing things that just give give us like um, you know m- make us thrilled. That feeling in your stomach where you see something that a customer is doing, you're like, wow, how proud are we that that we were a little part of of enabling them to do that. I, I think you're very polite using the word compassion there when developers talk to developers. I think I think we we probably like to use a few other techniques when we talk to each other. But there's nothing we like more than than uh, than pointing out each other's each other's pain or why on earth would you do it that way? But you know exactly as you mentioned, like it is that human element. You, you know, being able to act as that translator between the two. Like, why can't you just create a new staging instance? Um, it, you know, quickly. It is. It, it, but by enabling them with those tools, you're, you're able to kind of get the the hard things out of the way so they can concentrate on uh, making an impact, uh, you know, driving a business impact, as you mentioned. So I just find that fascinating, like in um, inspiring and getting a, a, a development audience on board is is a really big challenge. Um, and so thank you so much for sharing, sharing some of that knowledge, like talking more about tailoring that, that user experience, the buyer, um, you know, why we talked about kind of how quickly you can move. Like, why is it so critical to, to tailor the UX, user experience that, to, to that buyer and, you know, where they are? Yeah, I, I mentioned that um, fraction of a second that you have to show people something that they care about. And um, lots of marketers, and, and in my career, I've done it wrong myself 
which is, oh, let's show them this feature functionality. Let's show them this cool thing about us. But how about instead, let's challenge ourselves to show them what they value, what they can do with that cool feature that we have. So instead of showing the feature and giving them the rundown of the feature and letting them figure it out, let's show them what they're able to do with this feature. I couldn't agree more. Sorry, I interrupted you, Christy. Keep going. That's really about, I go back to the empathy, that compassion, but but think about think about the experiences when this doesn't happen. So um, so think about when you when you um, gosh go go click through to something that you um, that you just have seen online and you're like oh yeah yeah let me check that out and then you go in to try to check it out and maybe you're on your your mobile phone because that's when you have a chance to do a little bit of research right it's not when you're sitting at your desktop often but it's it's when you're when you're somewhere in the middle of a break to something, right? Waiting for an appointment or something in a, in a, in a room and you have your mobile phone, you're like, Oh, I'll check that thing out. And you go to click on it and you can't get through to it. Either the page doesn't load or, um, or one of my nits lately is, um, and I'm a huge, like I am a supporter of compliance, but, um, gosh, people are doing compliance wrong because you try to click through on your mobile phone to their website and their cookie, um, thing comes up and you can't even click to close the cookie thing. So I, in that, in that 15 minutes I had while I was waiting for my doctor's appointment that I was going to do some research or read that article, I can't do it because I can't close the the cookie permission box to get to the article. So what do I do? I go somewhere else. Yep. So you've lost me. And maybe I'll remember when I get home to do that on my PC, but, um, but that really matters. And that's before people like that's right when people are entering the door to your website, they can't the door doesn't open wide enough for them to get in. So um, so those things really matter. And and how do like here's the thing. Anybody can improve that. How do you improve that? You test it. You go through the user experience, right? You you, you test it on the different devices. And um, and here's the funny thing. You can be testing. You can be following your website and saying, oh, this doesn't matter because um, not many people are visiting our website on their mobile device. Well, what if not many people are actually visiting your website on your, their mobile device because they can't get to your website on their mobile device? So so that's just that's just one um, experience that I'm sure you've mm-hmm. had. I know I've definitely right. had it. Um, that, that is so easy yeah, to fix. I completely agree. I, those, I mean... Don't get me wrong. Like the, the balance of like privacy versus I'm going to say like user personalization. Like we're at this, we're at this real tipping point right now, especially with, with CX and UX where, you know, our, our users, our customers, our prospects are demanding more personalized, more relevant experiences for everything we're doing. Right. So they, you know, you, you, when you go to a website, you want to, uh, and I'm, actually, I remember this being put forward at a Dreamforce back in 2018, right? So four years ago now, um, they were saying that, you know, the future of email is you won't open your inbox and it'd be organized by time. Like that's a really inefficient way of looking at it. It'd be organized by how important the emails are and what you should deal with next. Uh, and it's the same kind of journey we're going on with sites, right? You know, people want more personalization. They want to... Uh, they want to be able to hit hit a site and feel that it's relevant to them, but at the same time, everyone also wants privacy. <laughs> you know, they don't they they don't want their data make its way. So, like, it, I completely agree with with everything. You, maybe I've taken that off on a completely different angle there, but like everything you've said is like you need to be moving quickly. I kind of wrote down as you were talking, like be, I always call this being agile. Like I think one of the most important things you can do is adjust your processes to test and learn quicker than ever before. That's really what you're trying to enable for these developers is is to be able to to reach their outcomes faster 
and quicker by iterating instead of doing things the, the old school way, which Absolutely. is, hey, let's deploy this big web application and it, you know, it might take us six months. Absolutely. And and that's one of the, you mentioned the sandbox um, in, in earlier. And um, that's one of the beautiful things that, that I love is um, people can go in, developers can go in and have multiple um, elements of their website or multiple websites. People can run, uh, we have a client who runs, a, they call it a blue green. They've done colors so that it's not a, um, you know, so it's not putting a, um, like a B testing a yeah. priority one part of the other. Yeah. A B testing, but with the <laughs> whole website so that, um, so that they're testing constantly on parts of it. And then they take that live and then they take the one that had been live down and they're testing on that one and taking that live. And, um, we have, um, gosh, I don't even, I used to say we had 10 tests running at any time, but I know we have a lot more running right now because we've just implemented, um, uh, new communication type of framework on the website. And so we're testing that and we're testing um, different parts of the website and different um, content for different personas um, because people don't just come through your homepage mm -hmm. to get to you, right? They're coming into your website from, from all sorts of different places and different people are coming to different places and you want to take them um, into, into the, the things that really are going to have them interact with your message or your content and have that moment where they're like, yes, they get me. And if you have a, a number of different personas like we do, we definitely um, our our heart and, you know, heart and soul is in that web developer for sure. But there's also a critical IT function that is uh, working with our um, our software, because um, if you're a marketer, IT is saving your butt, your developers are saving your butt and um, keeping you not only in compliance, but also um, yep. site secure. So, so that is, um, that is critical for us. And uh, that means that I can be, I can have my marketing teams and sandbox testing campaign types of things and, um, not worry. It's all secure. Like I, I want to, you mentioned something there that's, that I think our listeners will, will really love to hear more on, which is, you know, you, you're a, you're a CMO in this fantastic organization. You've got this great team of developers that can move quickly. And as you mentioned, build sandboxes and, and, uh, environments to, to test these in to test new enhancements, you, you know, you mentioned, and you talked about how many tests you have running, like, how do you, like, as someone managing a marketing team uh, of this scale, like, do you get sight of all those tests? Like, how, what's, what's your process for innovating and testing and learning inside Pantheon? How do we break it into two-week sprints, into places where we can stop and measure the results and refine before we get too, too far in? So I'm a person who, um, Gosh, in my, inside my household, for sure, my family knows I hate rework. Don't put the dishes <laughs> in the sink and, and make someone else put them in the dishwasher. Put them directly in the dishwasher. So, so I'm, I'm very similar um, myself with, um, with teams at, at work. And how you do that is you break it into a, a little piece, a snack. Um, you can call it the snack and marketer um, in marketing. Definitely um, people are developers, engineers are going to call it more an agile approach, but but break it down into a small thing that you can deliver and click those pieces together and you'll have something big and amazing. And then the second is um, is doing it with purity, doing it for um, 
to, for how you can improve the customer experience and never losing sight of that. Because you can pivot it just to revenue and you can create horrible experiences, and, but be mm -hmm. like really, you know, like, oh, this looks really good, but but people don't like it. Um, or you can be looking at that and you can be achieving both, right? When people like it, they reward you by, mm -hmm. by letting you know, not only in rating sites and reviews in your research that, yeah, you've nailed this, but also in your usage and in, in, their own success so they're rewarding you so you so that's really key to what we're doing and no i do not have um have insight into every single test that the marketing team is running they are empowered to be to be running these tests but i do drive strategic pillars and priorities so that we can help our leaders focus on the tests that are most important for the business and for our customers at that point in time and then we have marketing business reviews every month where we share um, the things that Two things, not just the things that really worked in one, but the things that really didn't work and that we're going to do something different on. Um, so we, we highlight those for the whole marketing team on a on a um, on a monthly basis. That's so that's so inspiring, Christy. Like, I, I think do you I just want to ask one follow up question. Like, do you would you run is the marketing team run on two week sprints as well? So everyone's releasing on those two week sprints to, to the site? No. No, it's not that pure for marketing. Love for it to be that pure. I really, that's just, that's the techie coming at me. Sorry. But the, uh, yeah, like, I, but I, I was just fascinated. And I think that also it's really inspiring that you, and I think that's a, the real key takeaway here is like, we, you need to empower your teams. Um, and platforms come into it to be able to provide that, that online experience, but you need to be able to empower your teams to, uh, you, you know, to be able to create these tests and then come back and, 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 and come, with good results really yeah and for marketing you you really um you know in in especially in in our company i you know you can think of words agile come and people talk about six sigma for marketer we marketing we lean pretty heavy on pareto so every single person in our marketing team has has heard me talk about pareto or the 80 20 rule they're living that mm -hmm. um, we're mm -hmm. not we're not aiming rockets to get to the moon or mars we're not performing brain surgery we don't have to be at that level of precision that our security teams have to be at right we don't we don't have to and in fact it would be entirely inefficient um and um for us as a company if our marketing team were trying to achieve 99.9 percent .9%. um so we're we're aiming at 80 and um and that's really powerful because we don't invest too much time or money um, in, in things when we're, when we're aiming at that 80, 20 rule, um, for marketing. So. I think, I think, I think that's really, that's a great way of breaking it down. Like we, we use, um, the strategy I use with a lot of my clients and, but also internally at together is the 70, 20, 10 rule. Like we always try and reserve, um, you know, 20% of our time and effort on like some doing some of those tests and iterating on things. And then we reserve 10% for like the really cool stuff. Um, so we don't, that, that stops us getting really, that stops us getting carried away thinking everything's going to be in VR and we're all going to be looking at holograms for the rest of our lives. Like you still need to build the, the brilliant basics, uh, right at the start. Uh, so I think that's, that's some fantastic ways of, uh, of, of thinking about it there, Christy. Um, so just, I, I totally agree with you with the 70, 20, 10 as well. That's probably better than the Pareto. Pareto, I think of that as data and performance, but, um, because especially for marketers, marketers and, and anyone who's really needs to innovate, you need to give them at least that 10%, which really isn't even enough. Like it, when you're saying, um, 70, 20, 10, it's more that 30% where people can, can, um, be free to be really creative. Mm, yeah, I completely agree. And I think, I think you know, just part of, part of that is being, being agile as we, as we keep coming back to, but you also mentioned earlier, you, you made a comment about, uh, about content. Um, and you know, 
have, have you noticed that the landscape is oversaturated with content and, and how can marketer, marketers avoid the digital pollution and ensure they have the right message for the right audience at the right time? Yeah, um, which uh, this, this question makes me think of um, clickbait, which is such a... Um, such a nasty word, but um, but the market is so saturated that I know for me that the um, the volume of content out there can give this this false perception that more is better, or or even that you have to somehow keep up with that. And um, and the reality is too much content. If you're putting out too much content, different messages, it it confuses the market and it dilutes our brand identities. So more is not better. It's important that we reinforce our brand message to the market over and over again. So if anything, we're thinking about content, we just need to, to commit to clarity. And that's really hard. It's really hard. Right. So, um, so this dynamic means that marketing's really shifted from protecting our brands more to, um, to delivering a really clear brand message and, and experience over and over again. How do you go about addressing that, the, the sheer volume? Like if you're saying less, you know, less is more in this case, like how do you find out what less is? This world, this digital marketing world, it lets us create really meaningful dialogue and engagement, but only if we look at the data and we use it and, and learn from every single aspect of our digital um, interactions. So the fact that we can measure every attribute, every interaction, um, every engagement um, to redirect content and experiences and customer journeys. Um, I was shopping for a car a couple of years ago. I actually ended up keeping my own car, but but um, but I but I was shopping for a car thinking I wanted a new car, and I I had such drastic experiences where I went everywhere and built my car, and then I went to to one um, location. And the person met me outside and, and I said, oh, I've already built my car. I just want to test drive it. I was there with my daughter. In five minutes, he had he didn't make me look under the hood. He didn't he didn't. He was like, do you just want to test drive it? I can get you some keys. And that's what he did. He got my driver's license. He gave me some keys. I'm there with my daughter. Five minutes. I'm out driving the car. Um, so so that's what I wanted to do. He didn't try to force me to learn a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't care um, about the, the under the hood stuff. I know lots of people do care about the under the hood stuff, but that isn't me. And, um, so, so I went to other places and I had to wait in line and then I had to sit down and talk to someone before I could even test drive the car. And so, so that, that comes back to that learning from the experience. What is this person, what is their preference in building it for them? And it doesn't have to be one-to-one because there's lots of people who shop for cars like me. And there's lots of people who shop like cars for cars and want to go in and get that high touch experience and sit down and talk and have a relationship with someone. So you can group those people and following this data, doing this research, performing these tests allows you to test the different scenarios so you can identify the types of people and based on their prior behaviors, what they might want to do next and make it about them. Not but you've, you. You, you've picked up you've picked up on the right like an, an absolute gem of a thought there you know you go to a car dealership and you walk through the front door and straight away you have a salesperson trying to trying to show you take, show you under the hood show you why these tires are the best well you know look at look at the you know trying to upsell you to the next car you know it is it it's it, it, it almost puts you off the experience and i think that's exactly what a lot of b2b organizations suffer with um, and I think we'll come on, I think we're going to come on to another subject here, which is, I'm going to be fascinated to pick your brains on, but you know, we 
someone comes to it, they're performing their own research. You know, they're part of that 87% I mentioned earlier. They, they've, they've, they're looking at, um, how one product, and I'm going to try and think of a product off the top of my head with B2B. Let's say one laptop compared to another. Um, and they've downloaded a white, white paper or a data sheet from, from this particular vendor. And straight away, the salesperson's going to call them. You know, they're not in that stage of the, but they're not at the right stage of the buying cycle yet. They haven't finished their research. And so call, reaching out and calling them from that brand really is just going to potentially be quite off-putting. So I think you, you know, that, that for me is like absolutely key. So you've got to test and learn. You've got to understand your, your, your buyer cycle. But, you know, one thing I'd love to know from, from you, Christy, is like when you're building these online experiences, like you have experience with, with sales teams as well. Um, so, you know, what is the best way to integrate some of that, some of your sales team into, into these wonderful online experiences that we all, that are now just, they're not going away, right? On digital experiences are going to be the way forward. So how do you integrate sales on that journey? Yeah, what, what we do is we really focus on, and, and I've found this in a number of companies, we focus on aligning on the customer lifecycle. So one of the biggest challenges really is is also the biggest opportunities, right? Which is that the entire um, organization, every single person inside of a company needs to realize that every aspect of your customer experience is your product. So true. So um, so whether or not you have an online trial, um, you're the selling experience, the the experience of learning about the product, right? If you if you take people, you know, your prospective customers through a um, yeah, customer lifecycle, and you look at each different stage that, that of course, there's the sales stages, there's the stages that you want them to go through in a deal cycle. That's, that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the mindset change that has to happen um, in, in the prospective customer's mind as they're thinking about, are they going to choose you? Mm-hmm. Are they going to choose the way you suggest solving their problem? Um, are they even in our case, are they even going to because what we do is you can think, oh, there's lots of ways that people can can build websites. There are. But what we do is really different. And it's different enough that um, that people might not even understand. It might be like the smartphone before there were smartphones. People, are like, I just need to call someone. I just need to call someone. Right. And I, you know, you have your mom with small kids. And you're like, I just need to call my mom once in a while. And the, the smartphone said is. Maybe you also need some music to help your kids go to sleep. Maybe you also would like to send your mom a picture or text her really quick instead of calling her, right? So they so they said, you know what? You may actually want more. You just don't know it yet. And we're also in that space. And so that makes really breaking down that mindset shift of when you can give that customer that aha, mm-hmm. there actually is a better way that I couldn't even imagine of doing something and it takes time. So um, so I really look to align the whole company on a customer lifecycle with a series of journeys and the sales journey is one of those journeys. And um, certainly um, the, the, the most effective sales um, uh, conversations happen with the right person. So, so pushing someone who, who doesn't want to talk to a salesperson to a salesperson too fast isn't that. How do, we, how do we get them the information they need so that they can maybe route you or refer the right person inside their, their organization to talk to to talk to the salesperson. That that happens a lot with events. You meet one person at the mm-hmm. event, um, they're interested, but but they're interested. They're not the buyer, so they need to refer the buyer to you. So um, so it is. It's a, it's a complicated process. There's one thing marketers call it nurturing. Nurturing is really hard, um, but it's a lot easier once you start to to look completely at the agree. And I think and I, I think you know nurture tracks, um, and that's the key thing here is like it, align the nurture track to 
the stage of the buyer journey, not the effort the buyer goes through, if that makes sense. Um, That's right. That's right. Really try to get inside the mind of of the person at that stage who who's thinking about and interacting with your content to um, to to serve them, to get back to that, making them feel like oh, they get me. Yeah, they get me. I I, I want to do more with them. You've got to build a value partnership. Like, so, you know, it, just because they filled in a form doesn't mean they're ready to speak to you. And it's, it's the old, the old school way would be where well, they must be because they've given us their email address and telephone number, but that may not mean they're ready, but make sure that, you know, coming right back to the first point you made, Christy, which I absolutely loved, you know, make sure it's relevant to the person, like add value to their day. Um, and I think that, that, that stands so true here. You, you also mentioned just one other point there, which I, I have a different, um, perception. So I'm a big advocate for innovation, as you can probably tell from, you know, talking about the 70-20-10 rule and, and, and all that stuff. Um, but the, uh, you know, you talked about like everything that you do online is part of your product. And I think that is absolutely vital to understand. Like everything from, you know, how we talk, you know, we, we've seen people test our help desk to see how quickly we respond even though they're not a customer, they just want to know that we're going to be able to, we're going to respond to them quickly. Um, You know, that's part of your product, you know, just even the formats and the techniques and the tools that you use as part of your main website, they may have nothing to do with what you sell, but they have a huge impact on the perception of the prospect and how they see the company. So I think that's, I'd love that point. I think it's absolutely vital. That's my understanding of how you've, that's kind of my uh, lens on what you just mentioned, Christy, but I, that is a hundred percent true. I love the, the value partnership as well. I, I haven't, uh, I haven't heard that before, so I'm going to, I'm going to steal that. And, uh, <laughs> from you, maybe I won't steal it. Maybe I, I won't plagiarize it. I'll, I'll uh, remember to quote you, but I love the, the concept of the value partnership and hundred percent agree, even the invoice and the way, the way that the payment experience, um, that's part, gosh, even if they decide to not use your product, right? Even if they choose to move away from your product, that is part of your product. Exactly. So, uh, the, so all of those things I can't, I can't take credit for the value partnership either, but I will say, you know, it's our, it's our job as marketeers and creatives to remix everything we see in here. So don't, don't worry. You don't need to, don't need to credit us, but it's absolutely vital. Like we've start, you know, we're starting to see clients and, you know, and I'm even going to say our own marketing, we're now, uh, turning off gating um, and we're just trying to make it trying to make it valuable because um, HubSpot talked about it 10 years ago they talked about this rise of inbound uh, and I think in, in now it's becoming absolutely vital now everyone performs so much research um, uh, themselves so for me the three big things that I've written down as we've been going through always make it about the person we forget that so often we think about the product and we think about the features but really bring down to the person bring it down to the customer um, my favorite tip, which is be agile, you know, move quickly, um, you know, think about speed as part of it. And finally, thank you for reminding us about the 80-20 rule. I'd, I'd completely, like, I think that's such a powerful way of structuring your teams, structuring your goals and your organization. So, you know, really less, less can be more at the end of the day. Um, so Christy, I'm going to thank you again for your, for your time and thank all of our listeners and marketing pioneers for joining us on the Tech Marketing Podcast. Christy, we hope to have you back again soon. And uh, and uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, my privilege.